0: Hello, everyone. This is your host, Manoj Tandon. Welcome to another episode of Dark Rhino's Security Confidential. And today, we welcome back a friend of mine, Eddie Tomasen, who really doesn't need much of an introduction, but we're going to do it anyways because he's such a good guy. Uh, <laughs> Eddie is a best bestselling office, uh, author, not officer, I messed that up, <laughs> uh, author of the book Unlo- Unlock Yourself, and we're going to have him chat about that. I'm really looking forward to that conversation getting the cliff notes. Uh, he is a podcaster. You can find him on LinkedIn and you can find him at all the podcast outlet. So he's, he's got a lot of things in the works and we're asking him about that here as well, uh, on what's happening, uh, with the world of podcasts with him. Uh, he's a very well-known speaker. He's, uh, been documented on media. He's made a lot of appearances. He's a Expert in cybersecurity, all around general good guy. Uh, just honored to have him here. It's always fun when you're around here, Eddie. Thanks for being here today.
1: Absolutely, Manoj. Thanks for having me here, my man. I don't know if I, I don't know if I give myself that expert title in cybersecurity yet, um, but
0: hopefully I don't disappoint. <laughs> uh, you, ah, yeah, you don't. I mean, I, I think um, all the. "Quote unquote experts, if they acknowledged how little they know, uh, we would we would better cyber yep. in general because it is a problem of the people. And as you said before, we started this podcast. You know, <laughs> people need to be people, and I think that's a brilliant theme. In fact, start us off there, Eddie. What what do you mean by that? Let's let's get into that,
1: man. So. People are people like, I mean, I feel like to different people that may mean different things. Right. But how I perceive it and how I internalize that is we're all flawed individuals. We all have our own self, like things that we are, we're self, uh, righteous about, or things that we have our own egos and things that we want to fulfill in our own selves. Right. So you mean we're not perfect. No, man. Not even close. Not even oh, close. I've been lied to my whole life. I've been lying to myself. It's so only one perfect person that walked the world, walked the earth, and that was, you know, over 2,000 years ago. Well, there you go. That's an impossible standard. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: exactly. But, so, but overall, man, I just think that, that thought process of people have to be people is you got to kind of build that in. You got to, you got to think and allow people when you think of from a leadership perspective, you got to allow people to make mistakes, right? You got to foster environments. where so I feel as though people feel comfortable making mistakes and don't feel ashamed for making mistakes. But then also um, as a person, you should also be able to call out when people are going too far off a deep end, right? Instead of being so sensitive about whether or not you're doing something wrong or somebody's telling you, you're getting some criticism or something like that. Um, I, I feel like now I'm just rambling a little bit, but this thought process of people will be people or people have to be people is, it's just a, it's a simple thing, man. Like people just need to understand that we're all flawed individuals. Right. And we're going to make mistakes along the way. And at some point you have to course correct, right? You got, you got to figure out how to have a team of people around you. That's going to help you course correct. Or you got to be able to do that on your own.
0: I uh, sage <laughs> advice, so now tell us so is a little bit of this what's in your book unlock yourself?
1: yes and no, so I would say the the main principle of unlock yourself is really based on this idea of leading yourself, right um. Okay. I love, probably heard of John Maxwell before, right? I call him like the godfather of leadership. He's written the most books on leadership ever, right? I think he's up to like 75 or 76 books or something like that on leadership. And he said, leadership is easy when you have to lead other people. It's hardest when you have to lead yourself, right? And you have to, the hardest person in the room to lead is yourself. Because you can be up on stage or, you know, you could be in a position or a role and you can have the leadership title but if you're not good at leading yourself people are going to going to follow your example right it's kind of that old adage of people will do what you do not do what you say right so if you're doing practicing the wrong things and having the wrong actions wrong attitudes that's going to be what gets kind of infused into the team that you're leading right so unlock yourself how to earn the success you were born to create goes through this process of how to lead yourself right how to put yourself in a good environment where you can win with like win yourself, win with people and then win in life. That's pretty much the the three um, subsections of the book, but the unlock you is basically an acronym, right? So you go through the entire process of a formula that's getting you to a point where you're actually unlocking yourself, right? So, so give us, a, so get,
0: walk us through the acronym then. I, I'm okay. curious here. So, I, so I, the, you know, I, I, I was a big sucker for cliff notes. I, I love that. Yeah. It's like let's go through the abridged version. Hundred percent. Right?
1: 100%. So the so the you part of it is upshot. Your upshot okay. is more so like your big dream, big goal. Like I always tell people you you, you kind of don't know where you're headed until you know where you're going, right? Like you got you got to have some kind of vision of what you want your life to look like. I tell people all the time, don't think about what do you want to be when you grow up, but instead think about what do you want your life to look like? Let's say five, 10, 15 years from now, what kind of house do you live in? What kind of car do you drive? How do you spend time with your family? What does that time look like? Because you're going to make different decisions on the vehicle that's going to get you there compared to uh, just deciding like, oh, I'm gonna be a doctor, <laughs> right? Like that. that doctor may get you more money or get you some status in society. But it doesn't give you the most flexibility with your schedule if you wanted to travel right. and spend time with your family and do all kinds of different things from that perspective, right? And I'm not right. saying a doctor is a bad role. I'm just saying take that into consideration when you look at that upshot and what you want your life to look like, right? Okay. Um, the end part is negativity, right? And in, in life, once you tell somebody your big dream, your big goal, things you want to accomplish, you're always going to have negative people that tell you that you can't do it, right? And I always Oh, that's people, a given. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) 100%. So I tell people all the time, you want to limit the negative, right? Cap the negative is what I typically call it. Cap the amount of negative influence that's going to be coming into your life because you're going to have enough people telling you that you can't, right? Which moves into the L part of the unlock, which is listening. So instead of listening to all the negative, you want to start listening to the positive, right? Listening to the people who tell you that you can do something compared to always dwelling on the people who continuously tell you that you can't. Right. So that's the L part of the unlock. The O is optimize your growth environment. Right. So it's basically associating yourself with people who are. Growing in the areas that you want to grow in, right? Like they have success, they have fruit on the tree in this world of cybersecurity. It's saying, hey, like this person has created incredible security uh, environments, right? They created incredible security teams, they've developed the skill sets, not just all be- based on like the credentials, right? But they're a great person. Start surrounding right. yourself with different individuals like that so that you can continue to grow and put yourself in an environment where you feel as though you're not getting left behind, right? It's kind of like that natural competitive side of things. Um right. so that's that's that piece. The C is choices. So choices is is I think in at the end of the day it's what's going to get you to success or not, right? Like we can we can choose to do wrong or we can choose to do right. But the thing about it is you need to understand how those choices impact on your day-to-day. If you make positive choices that compound over time, Those choices are going to lead to a much better life, but it kind of looks looks like a bell curve, right? So, the way I look at it is like, have you ever read the book um, The Slight Edge or heard of Darren Hardy's book, The Compound Effect? I've heard of Compound Effect. So, take the Compound Effect. Yeah. Okay. I think Slight Edge is older. I say Darren Hardy because it's kind of similar books and what they communicate, Um, but it's basically this idea of compounded choices, right? So, like, if you you look at a curve, you know, a regular graph, and you look at a curve that typically starts to happen up up front while you're moving towards that upshot, that goal that you're looking to accomplish, it looks like every small positive decision you make, it's like no movement. You're just stagnant. It's a flat line. It doesn't seem like anything positive is actually happening, right? But eventually, somewhere down the line, it's because of all this compounded, like, good choices it's a bell curve that sweeps up. Right. And you start to create or receive or experience incredible amounts of success, incredible amounts of accolades, things like that. But the same thing is true from the other perspective. You can make decisions up here. Let's, let's just instead of making it this big lofty goal about dreams and everything else, let's just talk about weight. Right. You can choose to work out every single day for 15 minutes. Right. Or you can choose to eat a bag of chips every day for the rest of your life. Which one is going to get you the results that you want? Early on, you might not see any results from that bag of chips, but once you get into like year two, year three, year four, and you're eating a bag of chips every single day, you're probably going to go like down downward spiral somewhere into somewhere like that you don't want to be health wise, right? But they so taste your choices. So good. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> I still, I mean, like chips is not really my thing. My thing is, uh, what do you call it? Uh, peach rings. I love peach rings. So every once in a while, especially on road trips, I, I have peach rings. But that's when I pretty much limit myself is, is to eat peach rings on f- f- road trips. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's the choices side of things. The K is knowledge. That's what the K stands for. It's basically understanding that you don't know what you don't know. Right. So the more that yeah. you can, you continue to educate yourself and, and be a lifelong learner and understand that you've never really arrived fully in any position that you found yourself in, you, you always need to continue to grow your knowledge. Right. Um, and that typically happens through reading. I do a lot of reading.
0: It could be podcasts like uh, you're listening to right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, that, I think that's a common trait amongst very successful people is that they do read or let's put it this way they assimilate a lot of external knowledge. Yes. Yeah. Right. I, I, because there's a thirst and a desire to right. know it. And, and there is absolutely an acknowledgement that they don't know everything.
1: Exactly. Yep. And I think the that, more people that understand that you set yourself up to be more humble, you show more humility, right? Because you understand that you can learn from anybody at any time.
0: <laughs> well, there's a, uh, A lot of our leadership in American life, I I would, uh, I'm guessing here, but just Mm -hmm. from their actions, it seems like humility, humbleness, Mm -hmm. some would regard as a weakness. What would you say to those folks?
1: Uh, Well, you know, my personality is a very choleric style personality. So I I feel like, right, what I wanted to say right off the tip of my tongue is, well, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) like it you're wrong but um no in all serious in all seriousness i feel like humility is a huge portion of your own personal growth in general right like i feel as though if you when you're able to show humil- humility regardless of your accomplishments how big your title may have gotten or things that you've accomplished humility allows people to believe that they can accomplish it too does that make sense so it kind of like That's levels the playing field levels that playing field instead of making it this big lofty thing that only this person can accomplish. It makes, you know, the average person feel as though like, Oh, I can accomplish that too. It's just, it takes a certain amount of work, a finite amount of work, finite amount of effort. Right. In order for me to accomplish those same goals. So I'm a big fan of like, I don't, I don't care how big I get, how many accolades I get. Hopefully when I talk to people, they just look at me as like, Oh, he's just a regular dude. Yeah. He may have accomplished some things, but he's just a regular dude. And if, That's an if understatement, he understatement, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but I said it all the time, man, that even when I, you know, used to go back and, and speak at high schools and things like that. And, you know, y'all have some kids come up to me like, man, you played D one and man, you did this and man, you did all these other things. And I'm just like, well, listen, I mean, like I, I appreciate the accolades and I know for you that may seem like this big, huge, crazy feat, but at the end of the day, you can do the exact same thing, man. All it takes is some good grades and, you willing to put yourself out there either in some kind of sport. Right. Um, and, and just being persistent like that. It sounds simple. Right. And, and it is simple. The hard part is just doing it. The biggest gap in life is between knowing and doing like most of us know what the heck we need to do. We just don't do it. <laughs> we think about it.
0: <laughs> uh, well, uh, or they have to really question is that. So w- when you look at the very first part upshot Yep. is There, you might have you know some lofty goal as part of your upshot because it sounds good, but you really don't, your heart's not in it, right? Right, right. So, the upshot doesn't have to be this big thing that okay, I'm going to be like a a brain surgeon or I'm going to go to the moon or you know, I'm going to be the next Nobel Prize winner, whatever that might be. Yep, Um, there's just as much value. in an upshot like that, as there is in saying, you know what, I am going to develop a new way to run food banks that feed a lot more people. Right. right. Yep. And your heart might be in that. I guess that's the thing. Cause what, what you just mentioned is that people know what they need to do, but they're unwilling to do it. I think they know what they might need to do for an upshot that, they may not be really mentally aligned with, but they like saying it. Exactly. So there's this, you, that's you, why you That's got, why I mentioned
1: early on, instead of thinking, like, don't think of what I want to become, right? Don't think about that. Think about who do you want to be, right? It's a, it's a different thought process. So, like, and the way I look back at it is take these fundamental questions. Think about when we was kids. Everybody's going to relate to this because when we were kids... Where did mom and dad actually when you were a kid? Oh, well, what do you want to be when you grow what up? What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? And like, as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid, you're supposed to be like, be able to answer this question. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm gonna be a lawyer, right? Because like you said, it's, it's something that sounds good to say, right? Right. Whereas though, if you, if you take that question out and stop asking people, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you ask them, how do you want to live? it forces you to answer a different question it forces you to understand what brings you like like happiness and value and content and then you start to build a life around that compared to building a life around the position you're building a life around how you want your life to
0: look does that make sense and that makes a <laughs> lot of sense and those who are looking in fact to transition to cybersecurity this has direct implications to
1: that yes Yes, hundred percent
0: directly because <laughs> you should answer that question for yourself. Yep, uh, and, and that's going to drive how you're going to become that contributor, uh, and, uh, and and that's at a much lower level, but the same concept. What you're saying is a wonderful life concept, and it's mm-hmm. a fundamental shift in thinking.
1: Exactly. Another
0: thing there though is the n, so the negativity. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions? There's always negative people. That's just mm-hmm. a given, okay? Yep. I, I can tell you as an entrepreneur, I, I never met any I, – I can't. I'm trying to – who said <laughs> that I should do – other than my wife. My wife mm-hmm. was the only one that said, you know what? If you don't do this now, you're just going to cry about it for the rest of your life. So <laughs> just, just do it. Right. And I think she did it to get – stop the crying. Yeah, but, <laughs> but almost everybody else was very, very negative. It's like, why right. do you want to leave a great corporate gig? You're making all this money. And you got this, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Why do you want to leave? You're going to find a lot of those. How do you get over the biggest negative, which is yourself, the self-doubt? Mm-hmm.
1: So I love I love that you brought that up. And I, I'm going to answer your question with a story, if that's okay. Please do. <laughs> I remember a time when I was a kid, right? And I grew up in a single family or a single mom household. So my mom, she was the cook of the family, right? And there was a time where I remember distinctly, I'm helping my mom in the kitchen. We're preparing dinner. We're making chili, right? And I'm probably I don't know I probably had to be somewhere between seven eight maybe maybe nine years old but I was a younger kid and I remember my mom saying like all right well here's the stuff that you want to put inside the chili here's this here's that and I all this stuff and then then she basically said like all right here I'm gonna give you my mom was never a uh, what do you call it she didn't measure stuff out in regular (laughs) yeah like she knew a little bit of this this exactly (laughs) like we eyeballed everything like everything is an eyeball you just kind of shake it in there. You add a little bit at a time, things like that, right? So, like, that was, that was just how she always been. So we never really followed a recipe. We just sprinkle some some stuff in there. We taste it. Oh, not right. Needs this thing. And we, so we go from there. So the reason why I bring that up is because at this point, at, you know, making the chili, she handed me the cayenne pepper, right? And she's like, hey, you know, we, we got to put some cayenne pepper in there. So it has a little bit of spice, a little bit of kick to it. I'm like, all right, sounds good. I pop the top off the cayenne pepper, like the little flip top. And I go to like shake it how she does it, but the whole top falls off. Oh, right! Whole top falls off. All the cayenne pepper and everything. Oh, you got goes chili. dumped inside of this chili, right? <laughs> and here I am. This and I was just, I was a hundred percent. I was sensitive kid, man. A hundred percent sensitive kid. So like my mom's, you know, th- this dinner is supposed to be feeding me, my brother, my niece, my nephew. We had a couple of uh, god siblings and stuff that was there, like my my uh, god brothers and stuff that was there. So it was like supposed to feed like this family of thirteen this is what this chili is supposed to feed, right? And we're all young kids, so I'm like, well, they now won't I be feel sleeping. <laughs> yeah, Not the horrible. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm crying. I'm like, mom, I'm so sorry. I don't understand. Like I'm at, like the top just fell off and all this other stuff. And she like my mom, being you know the the genuine caring woman that she is, she said, boy, don't worry about it. It's a mistake. It's gonna be okay. Here's how we here's how we fix this. You can't take it out won't be able to take the you know take all the the sauce or, or or the the seasoning out of the sauce but what you can do is you can sweeten it up with more sugar right right so what she said was you can't extract the heat but you can add more sweet and this is what it this is what that means for me for when it comes to negativity you mm. cannot get rid of negativity in your mind but you can dilute it with more positive So if you're currently feeling as though you're getting a lot of negativity, you're feeding yourself a lot of lies and, oh, I don't know if I can accomplish it. I don't know if I can win. I don't know this. I don't know that. What you need to do is start listening to more positive stories. Right. What I love is that your brain is the most honest bank teller that you'll ever have. Right. If you go to your brain and you say, hey, listen, I need you to tell me about a time where I absolutely sucked at something. And and I, and and I just didn't accomplish, right? Well, your, your teller would be like, absolutely, sir. Here's that time when you was in the fourth grade, you was on a dodgeball court, and you got smacked in the face. You thought you was going to catch the ball, and it didn't work out,
0: right? Yeah.
1: Or yeah. you can go to your brain, and you can say, hey, tell me about a time when I actually accomplished something. Tell me about a time that I felt like I was inadequate, but I I achieved something anyway. Hey, tell me about a time that, you know, I maybe had some some – Uh, obstacles stacked up against me, but I overcame them and I won anyway. And your bank teller is going to go back and say, hey, listen, I remember that time when you did this and you did this and you did that, right? Right. So that's the first step of it, is you got you to, one, recognize that you've already accomplished something good anyway, and then you feed your brain more positive stories of you winning in that thing. So, for example, you said, you know, somebody's making a switch over into cybersecurity. Maybe you're coming right. from a hospitality background, right? Sure. There's people who've come over from hospitality, and I'm pretty sure there's stories out there of cybersecurity people who have successfully made that transition, Right. Or same thing from your perspective, Manoj, you you went from instead of being in your comfortable corporate job, it's like, hey, I'm a transition into having my own thing and being an entrepreneur. There are multiple stories out there about people who successfully made that transition. So you can't listen to the people who are basically just giving you their opinions, right? Because it's not actual factual information they're just giving you their opinion based off of what their fears are right that's all it really is what you need to do is start listening to people who have successfully made the transition because what they'll tell you is actually completely contrary to what everybody else is which is hey listen you can do this It's actually pretty simple i was scared too i went through this period of self-doubt too but here's the actions that i took and it created a much better life for me so that's a long-winded answer Hopefully that helps. No,
0: that's a great answer, and that's an actionable answer because now you can absolutely, somebody can put that to good work. Right. And I learned that you can put sugar in your chili, and that does tone down the heat. And by the way, I would have thrown a couple habaneros in there, not the kind. There you go. We had a lot of things in there, and you can throw a little lime in there too. And if you do that, that kills the heat a little bit as well. Yep, but it
1: makes it more acidic. It's a lot more acid inside of there, With sugar yeah. also helps with acid. So
0: Ah, there you go. <laughs> a little bit of man, sweetness, it's, man. It's, a little it's, bit it's, of sweetness, all, it's 20 minutes to lunchtime, and I, and I, now I, I'm i like this. We just torpedoed this interview because I'm, right. I got food on the brain now. I'm like, damn, that sure as hell sounds really good.
1: Chili
0: dogs. Go make yourself some chili dogs. <laughs> or you know, like a good old-fashioned hoagie, you know,
1: with Oh yeah. That sounds great. That sounds I amazing Like putting right potato now.
0: chips on top, uh, you know, to get that crunchy, salty. Yes. yes. And every cardiologist do listening is like, yeah, you do that. <laughs> well do it. again,
1: again, it's all about it's all about how often and frequent you do it. If you do it in small uh, you know, small amounts of time and not every single day, you're good to go. You just got a limit on how often you put the chips on top. <laughs>
0: so, um, I, unfortunately, I, you know, as of this recording, today is August 23rd for anyone that's listening. I, we're going to go back to the end here on negativity because we had some big news today. Mm-hmm. Uh, some bombshell revelations from the former CISO over at Twitter. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it relates back to a lot of things you just mentioned, and we're going to circle back to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, people need to be people. Yep. So for yep. our listeners who have not yet caught the story, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the long, long story short is that their former CISO has turned into a whistleblower. Uh, he was fired back in January by their CEO, who was the former CTO of the company. Mm-hmm. Why I emphasize that and why people need to be people comes back here is Mm -hmm. that at one level, and I'm not going to waste your time, everyone listening, to get into all the details of the story. There's a wonderful, there's lots of articles out there and you can read up on it on your own time. But um, one thing that struck me was friction and friction causing failures in what might otherwise be a very good cybersecurity program. And that friction stems from roles and positions and, and as important as architecting the program is architecting the risks reporting structure in the organization, Mm -hmm. because you really want an unbiased view. So it seems like the CISO reported to the CTO before, and typically the CISO reports either to. The CTO or the CIO, uh, more often than not, you see the CIO. Yep. Um, and sometimes you see the CFO. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Which is the worst place, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> in my personal opinion.
0: <laughs> well, you see, I, it used to be a lot of the CIOs reported to the CFO. I, at one mm-hmm. time, it, it was a structure. So what do you think about this structure? If a CISO is to do their job, are they put in a very uncomfortable position by reporting to the very people that they need to be auditing or providing gaps that they may have inadvertently created i mean it's that's that's a lot of murky water it's a lot of murky murky water water. what 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 are your thoughts on this eddie and knowing (sighs) that people will be people
1: (laughs) yeah so First of all, I I highly encourage the listeners do go back and kind of read the story in itself because I don't know the hundred percent steps and everything that was inside of you know inside of that story, but also you don't know the hundred percent of everything that happened within the organization, right? So that's right. it's kind of good to kind of read up on that to get a, a better understanding. But I will say based off of conversations that i've had with multiple different security like cybersecurity leaders and majority of you know the people that i talk with on my show who find themselves in a ciso role or uh find themselves director of of cybersecurity things like that yeah what's typically typically best for an organization is when the ciso is able to report directly to the ceo right and the primary reason is because, like you said, if you're reporting to a CTO and your job as a CISO is to audit the CTO, then there's a direct conflict in, in between what you feel as though you can tell your boss or how much uh, right. flexibility you have to communicate. Like, hey, we're doing some things wrong, depending on the ego of the person that's in that seat, and
0: yeah, and that
1: puts that condo <laughs> in Florida in jeopardy. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right, so, so it's so. it's very interesting when you look at like that aspect because a, I, I personally believe when you look at true business structures, the further you are away from the CEO as a as a chief person inside of the business, the less influence you have. On your your thought process, you, you know the things that you share, the things that you believe in, actually being implemented into the business itself, right? right? And especially in this world, where we talk about cybersecurity and how it is a part of the business and it needs to be a part of the business, it's not a it's not a cybersecurity issue; it's a business issue, right? right? I think the best way to communicate that in a physical, like a physical outward way of of understanding that is by giving them that seat at the table not underneath somebody else that's directly reporting to the CISO. Does that make sense? Or I'm sorry, directly it, it reporting does. to the CEO. And so,
0: right. And I guess I, I've been a proponent of it, and I've heard the counterside to it, that mm-hmm. having the, the CISO underneath the CIO is a good thing because you don't want to create yet another wall or another department. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then you know, you know you've got isolation again, and now you've created a different type of friction there. Mm-hmm. But ultimately the big question here for all companies is who owns the risk at the end of the day. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the CEO. It's the board of directors yep. of the company. yep. Right. And they need to be cognizant of how best they can get an unbiased view of that risk. Right. Regardless right. of where it may take them.
1: Exactly. Yep. At the end of the day, you shouldn't you as a CISO, you shouldn't be afraid to expose vulnerabilities inside of your organization to the CTO because you feel as though your job is in, de- in jeopardy, right? Like it's it's your it's, it's it's your job to make sure that data is secure within the organization, right? Information is secure within the informa- inside of the organization. Yeah. So, inside of your your job, your daily activities, your team identifies vulnerabilities within the organization, You shouldn't feel as though, oh, snap, I should not report this to my CTO because I might lose my job, right? Or I should not go over my CTO's head and tell the CEO or tell the board because my CTO is going to be like, hey, you made me look bad. Now I'm going to lose my job. You see what I'm saying? Like, There's there's a level of of, uh, uncertainty there that I feel like should not be there is unnecessary yeah. friction.
0: And I don't know that there's a way to eliminate it because ego is a very natural thing and mm-hmm. people will be people, right? right? And you don't know the personality of what's going to manifest yep. depending on the severity of the vulnerability that you have found. And Twitter is a great case study in this. As yes. everybody who can read it, read that story in its uh, unabridged form, right? be like, well, <laughs> it sounds like uh there were people that absolutely didn't get along, and mm-hmm. and they were putting their personal interests ahead of the company's interests, right? Is is what it what it appears like on the surface, mm-hmm. but but also when you look at um, the tenure of the Sizzles, you, mm-hmm. you don't see too many CISOs that are have been there for three years or five years. It's eighteen months, two years. Is this? <laughs> Is this a reason? It's a great question. Why they're that that job is not one that you are going to retire from. Listen up, Cizzles, whoever you may be. You're not retiring <laughs> from.
1: That is a great question. And from again, from the conversations that I've had with other leaders on the the Leaders in Cyber Podcast, it's it's a plethora of things, right? Some of the big things that you think about overall, though, is the work environment, right? I feel like the role of CISO is so needed at this point in time. Like it's, it's one of those roles that's continuously opening up. There's always availabilities and things like that. And there's a lot of people who feel underappreciated, right? They overworked and underappreciated inside of a role that they're currently in. Or maybe like you said, there is friction in between management and like what they feel as though, the security team needs, and then what the business is willing to pay for, right? So you try to find different, like, you then you, as a CISO, you're like, all right, well, if you're not going to respect my thoughts and respect what I'm trying to do here, then I'm going to go and, and try this somewhere else, right? I'm going to try to basically implement this somewhere else, which obviously it, it doesn't create the most... uh what do you call it? Structurally sound security teams, right? If you're just kind of bouncing around from one organization to the next organization and things like that. But again, I think that comes back to um, a a business, it's a business issue. It's a business problem of where that person reports, right? Um, And also, have you ever read the book, Energy, like the Energy Bus? No, I before. have not.
0: But that's a heck of an interesting title. I got.
1: I like I like the book. I like, I definitely like the book is what it, uh, I, I, I don't know how long. It's probably back in 2015, 2016 when I read it. But it talks about this this concept of getting the right people on the bus within an organization. Right. So like you, the one of the first parts of like coming into a role, like say if you're a new CISO, you're getting you know, you're you're hired into a role. You already got a team of people that's already there. You're replacing somebody else. Right. And this is this is true for almost any business role typically, but you're coming into some type of manager, some type of authority figure. Right. It's your job to kind of take a full analysis and inventory of who's already on the bus and you start to figure yeah. out who's adding the negative side to the bus and not really contributing in a positive way who's adding the positive things, who maybe are like works in progress that they have what you need as the focal point of the team, like the core characteristics, but maybe they're not fully developed there on a the productivity side yet, right? So it kind of takes, takes you through this process of understanding um, what are the right people that you need to get on this bus. And I think for a CISO, that's, that's also very important, right? To understand, one, what role do you play on that bus that you're being hired into, first of all? Right. Are you looked at as like somebody that's we talked about this on the first uh, the first time we had a conversation. Right. But are you looked at as just a person that just has to keep this business in compliance? Right. And that's the only thing they want you to do is just focus on compliance and nothing else. Right. Because you can be, as we talked about before, you can be in compliance and And still not not have good security. Right. That's right.
0: And there's a ton of companies in that boat. 100%. 100%. I mean, there's a big roster. You could definitely fill up a cruise ship with those companies. There's (laughs) a lot of them out there. Exactly. So you take those things into consideration,
1: right? So anytime you're hiring or you're interviewing for a new role and you're switching, maybe you're switching out because you're thinking the grass is greener on the other side. That's one thing to understand. (laughs) Like, is this company just going to be more of the same, just in a different place with a bigger paycheck, Right. Or is this an environment that you feel as though when they bring you onto this bus, you're actually adding value and you're able to be a part of some type of cultural change or change that's happening within the company where security takes precedent and not it's not an afterthought of all the other business decisions?
0: So I, I guess um, this is... I'm going to ask you this question, but I'm going to—oh no! (laughs) But I'm going to consider it from the CEO's point of view. So, okay, CEOs who recognize that they—they may have walked into organizations where Mm. the culture was not conducive to openness. Mm. I mean, it's—it's not like that's an uncommon scenario. There's there's a lot of that going on out there. Absolutely. Are those organizations better off hiring a virtual CISO regardless of their size rather than to bringing on a full-time CISO into the environment? That's another great To get great a real question. unbiased view That's of what needs a great question. Be-
1: I would say, again, it depends, right? I feel like it definitely depends. If I would say small to medium-sized business, yes, you probably want to do a VC. So now- in larger enterprises, I'm going to go, I'm kind of going off a, off of a just an overall thought. I think you can do both. So so the reason why I say that is because I feel like a VC, so some, most of the time, if, if you have a good VC, so they'll come in and do a full analysis. Like you said, is unbiased of the people that's there. And if they do their job right, they'll also get feedback from different sections of the business, right? It's like they're trying to understand the day-to-day of what's happening in accounting and the, the day-to-day of what's happening in HR, the day-to-day of what's happening in these different areas to understand how the business itself utilizes technology in their day-to-day lives, right? So that right. they can make a solid interpretation or have a solid interpretation on what security tools would be beneficial and what things can be maybe taken away or altered or where the... um what do you call it? Like the end user productivity won't, won't be extremely shot because of it. Right. Yeah. I think sometimes when you look at it from like a consultant compared to somebody that's like in-house in-house, people are typically more lenient typically. Right. When you think about somebody that's in an organization, they have a paycheck coming from this organization. Right. Typically they're more lenient because they, they have to interact with these people on a daily basis. Right. So you don't want to ruffle too many feathers, feathers, because you're you're basically saying, like, okay, well, you know, Jan Janice over here, she loves this, this one tool that she's been using for the last fifteen years. I don't want to switch up too much on her and, and do these different things, right? Where we're like, there's it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because you, you don't want to mess with the productivity of Janice, but at the same time, <laughs> you might want to make got some different changes. There. Exactly. Right. You got a big vulnerability. Now, a VC so typically they might come in. And they're not as engaged, right? Like there's not a lot of uh, happy-go-lucky, lovey-dovey relationships that's already been established. So you kind of just get the facts. Like you 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 just get to see the numbers. Here's the vulnerabilities. Here's the issues. I think so-and-so can change. I think so-and-so could be able to adapt and, and those different things, right? But I think it, in an enterprise type of level, you can do a mix of both. Sometimes I got a friend of mine. Uh, he, His name is Keon Williams. I think we talked about him maybe at a different, a different time, but he owns uh class LLC. And sometimes he might come in as a not necessarily a VC. So, but it's like a cons- con- uh, c- security consultant just okay. to expose different vulnerabilities and things to the CISO that's in place because that CISO might be so close that you don't actually see all the vulnerabilities and things that's happening within the organization because you just got so used to how everything has just been done at that organization where Keon might come in and say like, Hey, here's the bigger picture. Here's some, some, maybe some perspective that you haven't seen yet, or maybe you just weren't exposed to or whatever else it may be. And now you have an opportunity where you make some better choices. Right. So he kind of comes in and and he
0: can say things that the existing CISO can't and the existing CISO can take his report and say, this is what an outside independent unbiased view is
1: exactly without
0: necessarily jeopardizing their condo in Florida
1: yeah yeah
0: exactly i don't know why i keep saying that (laughs) i don't have a condo in florida
1: by the way i I don't i don't my in-laws do i do not (laughs) (laughs) hey
0: speaking of which uh switching it up here a little bit towards the end here Mm -hmm. what new things do you got cooking in the world of podcasts or what's going on and anything you want to bring to light as of august 23rd that's you know I would say August, so it's August
1: 23rd. I think in the next three weeks, we're going to a new podcast, like distribution style um, with the, with the leaders in cyber podcast. So, if you if you've listened to the show because we were I was on here before right so you might have get, came over and listened to the show when it was actually still simply secure podcast and everything was basically like long form content long term long form conversations much like you guys are experiencing here right, right? right now yeah. that's right exactly right like it's you know thirty minutes to an hour and and it's, it's you got to extract the information and things along the way right. Whereas though what we, what I've transitioned into and in three weeks, this is when this transition is really come into play is instead of doing one episode per week of 30 minutes, we're doing three to five episodes per week that is between three to 10 minutes long, right? So it allows you to consume something that's very specific that you want to hear um, in a quick amount of time, right? So that's, I was, I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be a very interesting way Whoa. for people to now start listening to podcasts, especially in our virtual world that we live in, where we're not commuting as much and in the car as much. And maybe your commute is literally just up from your bed, brushing your teeth and sitting at your desk. So <laughs> if you can listen to something that can impact your, your day in a quick, you know, five to ten minutes. I think that'll be a much better way to consume some of these shows, but it's a testing process. So I will. Well, Eddie, we're we're (laughs) we're
0: uh, we're wishing you the best of success. And quite honestly, if if we see that and we have no doubt that you will be successful, then we're probably going to plagiarize some of it. So saying that, so if you guys see the format on Security Confidential change a little bit, you know who was the root cause of it. uh, I love it. Happened. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Everything is shared anyway, man. Nothing's, nothing's <laughs> completely my own thought. <laughs> I actually got this idea from a marketing podcast compared to a cybersecurity podcast, but it, it completely applies just into the way
0: that we look sure. at life today. <laughs> couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, Eddie, thank you so much for being here. As always, it's a pleasure. Uh, you know, we know you're not going to be a stranger. We're going to see you back. We're going to connect with you once your new format, a couple months in, once your format's up and running, we'd love to chat. Absolutely. uh, We can discuss what's going on.
1: Absolutely. Thanks again for having me, Manoj. It's always a a great time having a conversation with you. And uh, I can see this. uh, Obviously, we talked about this the first time, but a continuation of the foundation of a relationship. That's going to be a good one for years to come because you're, you're just a fun guy to chat with.
0: <laughs> I, uh, and you are as well. I, it's it's great having you here. It's always an honor.
1: Appreciate it, my man.
0: <laughs> Take care.